Today's inflection point has been reached after wide consultation with the whole AFL industry and including conversations with the Australian Chief Medical Officer and representatives from government. I said on Monday that we're moving to a 17 round season. I also said we had to be agile. Tonight, our 17 round season becomes a 153 game journey. We start tomorrow night with Richmond against Carlton at the MCG. Again, we have to be agile and flexible. The games will be shortened and quarters will now be 16 minutes plus time on. The NAB AFL women's will continue this weekend. However, we will forego the final two teams, two weeks of the home and away season and move straight to finals with the fixture to be announced tomorrow. This is a Swanscast Extra, the number one Sydney Swans weekend preview podcast. What a time to bring you the first extra episode of the year. With everything that's been happening in the world, so many sports cancelled and the financial crisis gripping most developed countries, having the return of footy is just bringing back a bit of normality to our lives in this crazy, chaotic time. You know, we've got brawls in supermarkets, you know, but apart from that, the show must go on. And look, uh, as much as they've been pillared, some credit does go to the NRL, FFA and AFL for keeping the lights on and the fans engaged. For this cast, we've got the match preview, we'll give you our matchups, key points, predictions and the weekend forecast and cast our eyes over the season. This is your host Justin and with me today is Joshua Maher and Stephen Trelaw. Josh, how are you? Worn out, tired. I've got uh, I've got plenty of toilet paper and plenty of alcohol so I'm good for a few months I think. No more fighting in the shops for that sort of stuff for you? No, not really. I liked it better when Corona was a car made by Toyota in a beer. <laughs> and Stephen, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Just taking deep breaths. Uh, found myself out of work for a few weeks at least. So, uh, you know, just taking stock and uh, pretty thankful there's a bit of footy going on at least, even if it was a 11th hour and 59 minutes uh, kind of decision. Yes. Well, the amazing thing was we didn't even have a decision 24 hours out from the first match. So how crazy is mm. that? The teams were announced and we didn't even know if the game was going ahead. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can just imagine all the... Uh, AFL bigwigs, you know, panicking in a tiny room or something like that, couldn't you? Yeah, tiny room. That's a, that's a very good way to put it. They all do look like they're in a <laughs> tiny room. <laughs> I think the tiny room was probably as small as my tinfoil hat. I've got a conspiracy theory response to the whole virus thing. I think if you have a good hard look at what the AFL's proposed, at least for the next few weeks in terms of quarter length, time on, interchange, caps, mid-season draft, all the stuff they've rolled out, it's actually their wish list for stuff that they want to change with the AF in the game that the fans don't want to see. It's their agenda by stealth, and this is going to be a, this is a trial for that stuff as much as it is about um, managing the risk of the uh, current medical situation. That's not a bad point because there have been committees and meetings and a lot of uh, discussion about the fact of reducing the season to seventeen matches to cater for a fairer fixture. Uh, potentially reducing match length to prevent fatigue, having uh, players recover a bit faster and trying to mitigate that injury when players get really fatigued. It's But this has been discussed for the last sort of five years and a lot of people outside the industry and even commentators and pundits have said, let's get these changes in. Yeah, I don't think it's that crazy of a conspiracy theory because I heard, um, I actually saw a tweet from, I think it was Gary Lyons show on SEN. He was interviewing Simon Lethlean, who's one of the said AFL bigwigs, and he, said, he actually did say these are 
um, changes, which might, depending on how they go uh, in 2020, might uh, even be implemented in, after all this is uh, blown over. That's not a big surprise. No, but it, so my concern is, though, it's going to be too much too soon. So if, if it turns out that, for, let's just start for argument's sake, say we play a whole 17-round season and they adopt some of these changes, there are going to be teams, and we're going to be one of the worst affected by this, there are going to be teams with team lists and structures and game plans that will absolutely not suit any of the new age of AFL that comes out as a result of that. Yeah. Um, and it will widen the gap between, let's face it, Richmond will be the team who gets the most out of that, those shorter games, harder, faster-paced games, and we will be one of the worst hits, worst hit um, as a result. I just think that too much change too soon will be catastrophic for a lot of the interstate clubs. It will be. But look, uh, let's kick on to the agenda, and look, we've already been talking about it. The agenda for today really is the fact that the AFL has greenlit the season. It will go ahead. There is tonight's match, the opening between Richmond and Carlton, Usually a 90-plus thousand crowd. There might be 200, 300 people in the stadium altogether. It's just going to be the weirdest match to watch that I've ever seen of any sport. Importantly, 16.5-minute quarters. Uh, There is talk of bringing games in to the start of the season, such as playing anywhere between four to six matches in the first four weeks with four- to five-day turnarounds. The AFL has said with their COVID-19 sort of treatment plan and dealing in place is the fact that if there is a positive uh, test for any player staff or AFL sort of um, staff in general, they're looking at a two-week shutdown for the entire competition and they're going to play until they just can't play anymore. They're anticipating an eight-week shutdown between uh, May and July. So we'll just see what kind of football we can actually get played, really. Um, The weirdest thing is no crowds. It's going to be hard watching a game of football where there's no, like, I guess it depends on the um, on where the, uh, the the camera crews put their recording gear. Um, I've often thought, like, with the SCG, it doesn't really capture the sound of the crowd. Sometimes it fa- sounds a bit like a golf tournament, you know, the... Oh, the clapping, going yeah. ...going in the background. But it's going to be bizarre with none of that crowd atmosphere. There's been talk of even the NRL games, because the NRL games from from this weekend will be played without a crowd. And there was speculation on NRL tonight that they might try and get the broadcasters to put in fake crowd noises and sounds. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, not playing with a crowd could be normal for some NRL clubs, I guess. Yeah, it's true. But I don't know what would be what would be worse, fake crowd noise or listening to some of the bullshit the commentators are going to come up with oh, God, to I try and make it easier to watch. And I, I, for one, am actually glad that Brian Taylor's not available for round one yes. commentating duties. I think he's not available for the first two or three weeks as well. Yeah, self-isolated, hasn't he? Because he was off, he's off in America somewhere. I don't think he's returned yet either. No. Like, I hope he's healthy and, you know, there's no detrimental outcome to him, but I, I can't stand his commentating the last <laughs> couple of days. <laughs> yeah, it's the simple things, isn't it? Just getting players' names right and all that. Yeah, plus, uh, well, I mean, the banana na na thing is kind of annoying, but uh, when you put it in a Swans meme, it actually does look pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have the Lloyd or anything without him. Oh, yeah, God, God. Just imagine him and Dwayne Taylor in the same broadcast. Oh, just tuning out with Basil Zemplis. <laughs> yeah, just switching that TV off. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's the only game. The rest, the only last one for the season, off. Thank you very much. But... If they do decide to cancel the season, and let's face it, someone is going to return a positive test and there will be at least multiple shutdowns. That's almost a guaranteed. We have a contingency plan to record, keep recording, if there's no AFL, don't we, 
Yes, we do. And we're not going to tell anyone what it is yet. <laughs> no, no, no. No, we, we're not. But we're going to drop a hint. It could be about the Sydney Swans and it could be about a uh, previous season. Time will tell. But continuing on with the uh, sort of the COVID discussion, uh, the other thing that came out was the fact that the AFLW season has ended. The home and away season has ended with two weeks left. And originally it was going to be a top four finals. Um, some clubs have been notified that only the top four teams across the competition would play. But now it has been expanded to a eight-team final series. So that means the top four teams from each conference will play. So even teams that are outside the normal finals positions will play. I'm not even going to pretend to know who those teams are. I haven't really got into AFLW this season. It's just been... Everything has been happening. It's just sort of been so superfluous. And so I just kind of forgotten about it. Especially without a Swans team there. Yeah, it's it's not a bad standard of game. It's just... um. Yeah, without the swans there, it's just hard, it's a little bit harder to engage. There's yeah. no, you got no emotional attachment to it, none whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I was work, I was actually working with um, one of our enemies at Collingwood Football Club during like the first. <laughs> yeah, I was doing work experience there. Long story. Um, <laughs> I was actually like doing a bit of scouting for their like inaugural first AFLW team, so I had a bit of a. Yeah, you know, I was looking over all the footage of the state league stuff, which was happening uh, before AFLW was established, and doing all that. So I, you know, keep a you know quiet eye on things every now and then. To be fair to them, the standard has improved and will continue to. I think there's little doubt about that. But uh, with Collingwood in particular, I, I heard that they were told by the AFL that they weren't going to be in finals, and then they got told, "Oh, wait a minute, that's not right. You actually are going to be in finals." So they've had a bit of a roller coaster, those ladies. And that was all decided last night too with AFL, with the AFL Commission. So the way that everything has been going, the way the AFL's handled it, they came out on Monday evening. They said 17 games, 16 and a half. We're going to play as many as we can. The first four fixtures as is, we're just going to get as many as we can. We'll play up to Christmas or the new year if we have to, to fulfill these 17 games. Instantly, AFLPA comes out and goes, nah, screw you guys. We want to play 22 games. And this was disgraceful. It was disgraceful. Like mm. the the instant response was just like you money hungry bastards. There's people losing their jobs. Stephen, you're out of work. People are going to lose businesses and their houses. And the players basically turn around. No, we don't want to take a pay cut. We want to play 22 games. Now I, I get it. Yep. There are some new players in the competition. There are some rookies that who will suffer. There are some new players who will suffer. And there are players whose contracts are heavily dependent on performances and performance bonuses and meeting certain KPI, and they will suffer. But the, their suffering pales in comparison to people whose livelihood is going to be lost, who could potentially end up, you know, up on the street or just living on um, government help. So it was just, it was the wrong look at the wrong time. And, you know, Paul Marsh, he's been wide, widely applauded for his role in the um, cricket negotiations. And then he was widely applauded for his last sort of negotiations with the competition, although at the time it looked like the players were being a bit money hungry. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's uh, he's being involved, if he's got too many fingers in that pie, or if it's the players who are directing him to be sort of announced that way. And I, I wouldn't say behave, but kind of discuss their matters in such a way that it comes across as pure, almost purely financial based. Of course, and, and it had, like, probably I might be jumping to conclusions, and here's my tinfoil hat on again, but I, in one of the statements that came out from the AFL, AFLPA, I just, my brain went, 
did Patrick Dangerfield write that himself? Yeah. It yeah. just, I don't know, it had that feel about it. And he sort of made statements similar to that in the past. Um, or, or maybe the tone of statements have been similar to that in the past, but it just it just read wrong. And, and, and it, it got treated with the contempt it deserved when it got into the media as well. And then you had uh, Jack Rewalt come on AFL 360 on Tuesday night. And at that time, before he'd come on, Mark Robinson had just ripped the whole response to shreds. And I, I thought, like, people criticised him on Twitter. People criticised him online, on forums, on Facebook, everywhere. They slammed him. In my opinion, I thought his comments were so bang on, it was the most clear and concise thing he has ever said amongst all the gibberish and nonsense he speaks on a daily basis. He was spot on. It looked atrocious. It was the wrong thing for the AFRPA to do. The questions were leading. They were completely biased and subjective. They were not objective. And the response was appalling from the AFRPA. And he and Gerard Wheatley were correct. No one would sympathize with them. In fact, they would get attacked in the media and by the general public. And that's what happened. Yep. Yep. Look, let's move on to the next thing. I think we've kind of uh, talked about the AFL a bit too much here. Funny for an AFL podcast, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) let's uh, give a quick discussion about the uh, team changes over the summer. Outs, Zach Jones, gone to St. Kilda. He's going to add a lot to their team. But we also had the retirement to Jarek McVeigh, who's moved into coaching. Kieran Jack, who's still associated with a club in some capacity, I think. Heath Grundy and Nick Smith. So with those five outs, we've brought in Sam Gray from Port Adelaide, Lewis Taylor from Brisbane Lions, and Caden Brand from Hawthorne. Gents, give us your uh, sort of little bit of a report card about the new three guys, how they're traveling, how you think they'll go for the rest of the season. Oh, Louis Taylor's a pickup for my mind, small, medium forward. I really like his acquisition, especially if Papley's still a chance to go at the end of this year or next year. I don't want to see him running as a mid. Every time Brisbane did that, and... And, you know, he kind of did it out of necessity, I understand that. And then he did it because ultimately the forwards that they recruited that ended up pushing him out were down the front. But he just, he didn't cut it as a mid. I just want to see him as a forward. Um, and I hope, I hope we don't try to do what Lepich did with him, which is run him as a midfielder. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he did win the rising star ahead of some, I don't know, some unknown bloke called Marcus Bontempelli uh, in his first year. <laughs> but since then, he has He's dropped off smart. a bit and... Oh, yeah, complete, yeah. Um, we'll never win a Brownlow. Um, but, yeah, ever since that kind of debut, yeah, he's kind of dropped off the radar quite a bit and he kind of seems like one of those guys who, you know, back in the you know early mid-2000s would pick up the unwanted players and recycle them, turn them into superstars. And I think he kind of... He kind of echoes that sort of pick. He's got, he's got a, bit of a bit of a proven record early on he's fallen off now he has a chance to kind of rise back up again Sam Gray I thought he was a complete steal we got him for peanuts a guy who was like a pretty key contributor to the Port Adelaide's best 22 and I reckon he could play a real good role for us as well kind of as that you know mostly playing up forward with a couple of mid rotations as well yep yeah agreed look um on the Lewis Taylor thing it's clear that he's a forward and yeah. like what you were saying before about when we we're picking up players in the 2000s and 90s and recycling them, his effort, his work rate, and his desire kind of reminds me a little bit about um, maybe Paul Paul Bevan, limited footballer would run headfirst in the concrete for you for the team for the ball for the game just threw himself in. Lewis Taylor gives me that impression, but if we can uh, refine him, turn him into a bit of a rough diamond, who could be that? Uh, I wouldn't really call him like a 
like a Charlie or anything like that or an Eddie Betts, but he could become that good small forward, sneaky pocket to kick two goals a game sort of thing. And that's what we really need. We desperately need a player for that kind of, that ilk, Josh. Yep. There's some more more versatile forward line that can at least split their defenders up um, rather than just bomb it to a hot spot. It just, it just something needs to change now that needs to get more dynamic and a player like him could do that for us or at least be the start of doing that for us. And that was a hope of Ben Rock. But for many reasons, again, Lewis Taylor treatment, playing in the midfield when he shouldn't be playing in the midfield, he's kind of fallen off yeah. the cliff. And as the defenders get better, he gets better defenders, he's got to find different ways to, to get the ball and influence the game. And I think uh, Lewis Taylor has that about him where someone like Ben Rock might not. Sam Gray, completely agree with you, Stephen. I think his acquisition was a steal. His performances over the preseason have probably been a standout. But Caden Brand, he is another steal. Defensively, fits in beautifully. He fits the team like a glove because he butchers the ball like, you know, the old Bay Butcher. <laughs> he cannot yeah, dispose it by foot to save himself. And that is perfect for our team because our team slaughters it coming out of defense. But as for his defensive work, it's great. It's way better than Maligan. Yeah, yeah, I'm still like I'm still kind of hopeful that that Melican can find some confidence because I think he shows very short patches in games where he he proves or he shows that he has the potential to be quite capable. But um, I think with now that we've uh, you know picked up Will Gould, who's a mountain of a kid, and I absolutely loved his uh, his his game in the Mars series, and you know Jack Mayborn being back from his knee reconstruction, and he looked. At one stage, not last year, the year before, but he kind of looked like a Heath Grundy-esque drop-in replacement for a little while. Um, Melican needs to get it together this year, I think. Well, Melican's got the issue with his hamstrings. I mean, there, there is actually no guarantee that, that Melican will even make a comeback to AFL, given the fact that over the last year, he's suffered, what, five, six hamstring injuries, and some of them significant tears. Mm. So he's injured the and same exactly, hamstring. Exactly, and that's... Three times and in the last year. that has to have been part of the reason for picking up Caden Brand. It's insurance. Yeah. yeah. And look, Will Gould is a fairly similar stature to uh, Maybaum as well, but he's far quicker across the ground. It's it's going to be interesting if they try and play him. I think with his size and his speed, he could certainly play fullback, but he's more of a uh, intercept rebounding defender. Mm. But I think the uh, future looks really bright there, Stephen. Yeah, no, I agree. And I Will Gould, I've kind of taking him on board as my boy for uh, this for this year. Um, I'd be shocked if he didn't get a debut this year at some point, um, given, you know, where we are as a club. Um, and, you know, dare I say the R word, rebuilding. Um, he'll be a key part of that. Um, built like an absolute, like, yep. absolute tank monster. Can <laughs> kick it, can roost the ball 50 metres. Has good dash on him. Loves tackling and knocking players out. And I think he'll be a really great addition to our backline. It'll be that kind of backline general, kind of more of a, you know, Dane Rampy, but more of an yeah. intercepting sort of type. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play first round. Like, if he doesn't play Saturday, mm. I would be disappointed. And he's from Adelaide. It's the perfect time for him to debut. It's our only game in Adelaide. And there's no crowd to influence the game either. Exactly. So, I mean, what better yeah. time to debut? <laughs> <laughs> But look, uh, let's move on to our uh, season guesstimations. They're not really predictions because who knows what kind of season we're going to have or if we even have one. It's still contingent on tonight as well and whether or not we even make it through till tomorrow. But guys, I'm going to kick it off to you first, Josh. 
How many games this season do you think we will play? Six to eight. Yeah, I was going to say like definitely less than seventeen. I'll probably. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> that's not really too much of a stretch, but I'll say ten. Oh, oh. Ooh, I see what 10. you did there. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, very, very nice. I am going about nine. I'm thinking, right? We're going to get maybe two weeks in, maybe two matches in. Then we're going to have an eight to ten week shutdown, and then it's just going to be trouble dealing with starting the season back up again in July, August. Yeah. And you probably have a grand final probably in November. Either that or they'll just play the grand final early. So the yeah. AFL's keen to get all 17 in, but you just never know how these things go. And the government has said this: these measures that they have right now could be in place for up to six months, which means the AFL will literally have no time at all to finish the season. Second one, leading goal kicker, Stephen. First thought was Nick Blakey, but I reckon I'm going to go uh, someone who I think, you know, is... Probably due for a bit of a, I wouldn't say breakout, but certainly an improvement on his previous years. Will Hayward. Ooh. Get the boy to kick straight. Yeah. And I reckon he'll, and especially in a shortened season as well, uh, I reckon he might just sneak ahead. And how many have you got him yeah. at? <laughs> Depends how many games, really. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if he had a full season, if we had a full 22 season, coronavirus wasn't happening, uh, I'd probably say he's due for a, you know, 40 plus goal year. I'm just going to cheap out and I'm going to go Tom Papley with 35. I think he's going to be our only reliable forward. Yeah, I was going to go Tom Papley, 32. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, leading contested ball winner, Stephen. Oh, Josh Kennedy. I don't think anyone else is quite ready to take his role. I think guys like, you know, Parker, Heaney, they'll be rotating forward too much. Kennedy's had a great Marsh series, and I think he's, you know, good enough to keep that inside midfield role for at least this year, this season. Uh, leading contested ball winner, Stephen stole my thunder. Uh, I was going to say Josh Kennedy um, for obvious reasons. His second March series game was, a, you know, compared to sort of, I know he's a little bit injured last year, um, but he had a pretty, he had an absolute belter of a game, I thought, um, for the old boy. So I'll change mine to, I'm going to go on a limb and say that we're going to wake up and turn Isaac into a stay-at-home mid, and it's going to be Isaac, but I doubt it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm doubt that's going to happen too. I'm actually going for a little bit of a I wish we could stop using him to plug the holes all over the field and actually just let the guy be what he wants to be. Yeah, that's true. He is an exceptional talent. I'm going to go for a bit of a left field option here. I'm going to go James Rowbottom. Yeah, I was was going to say him, but maybe in two or three years. If that was any more left field, it would be in the middle of Sydney Bloody Harbour. Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Really. Well, considering you've got Parker, Hewitt and Heaney in there as permanent mids... I yeah, think right. I think he's a good one. He's only third season in. Uh, I'm going to kick off leading possession winner. And uh, lo and mm-hmm. behold, I am going James Robottom again. Josh. Josh. Right. Actually, no, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go left field. I'm going to go on a limb with you and say James Robottom. Yeah. I wasn't going left field on that one, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> um, I'll go probably a bit more of a vanilla option. And I'll go Jake Lloyd. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Come on. <laughs> He's actually guys. right, though. He's actually right. Yeah, he's, he's one of those guys who will rack up, you know, easy thirty touches, and no opposition player will give him a second glance. I think he's just, he'll just do the same thing again this year. Of course, he'll he'll, he'll average thirty six a game and have one contested possession and one tackle. But did you see in the uh, in that state of origin bushfire appeal match? He had a kick out and he put it out in the full. I liked it better the year we ran him off the back of the square. I thought he was pretty hard, pretty hard in the middle. I liked him better then. 
Oh, well, we've got nowhere else to put him at the moment, unfortunately. But uh, now it's time for yeah, the best yeah, yeah. hanger of the season. Will Hayward. He has threatened to pull down an absolute ripper since he started playing with us. And he just doesn't bring him down. But he's going to clunk one sooner or later. And this is his year. We've got a few candidates for this one. But I reckon, and I, just because I this is one of the things that stuck in my mind from the State of Origin game, Callum Mills almost took an absolute screamer over Tom Papley. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I reckon Millsy might, uh, you know, take the throne from Isaac Heaney. I reckon he might clunk one this year. I got a question about that actually. Is it still a screamer if it's on top of the smallest guy on the field? Yes. It looks pretty impressive. The oh, yeah. photos and the footage. The photos amazing. <laughs> the photos amazing. Yeah. And just knowing that he didn't clunk it, you kind of go, oh, it's just so yeah. disappointing. I'm actually going to uh, say Cal Sinclair. I reckon he's going to take a ripper pack mark and it may be the ripper pack mark that helps us win at least one game. Maybe that tall beanpole. He doesn't even have to leave the ground to do it. All right, guys. Uh, final ladder positions. Try, try and give an exact number on this one. Uh, exact number? 15th. Uh, exact number? Uh, bottom 10? Nah. Um, oh, nice. That's a good number. I'll say, I'll say 12th. That's that's all right. I'm um, kind of leaning towards yeah, seventeenth. I I had a I personally I had us higher until the AFL brought out their changes for this season, and uh, it's just because these quarters are so short now, and it's going to be played at such a frantic pace. I don't think it's something that we're going to be able to match, and I think we're going to suffer heavily for it. Yeah, agree. Yeah, I I agree on that, but I actually saw a stat. I think the Fox Footy posted it out on their socials. I think today they actually some person with way too much time on their hands actually works out what the ladder would be if from last year if they had 16 and a half minute quarters and Sydney would have been in the top eight. It would have nice. snuck in at seventh. And, but I, I agree that, you know, with all the teams knowing that it's 16 and a half minutes and that, you know, it is short and all the teams will know that, they'll be, I agree that we might not be as, you know, able to take advantage of it as some other teams. Oh, I just think on that alone, it's Richmond's premiership to lose if we get to a grand final. I just it's, I just think it's going to suit them better than any other team. Uh, it'll suit Collingwood. It will also suit Carlton. Carlton will benefit from this greatly. Yeah. And West yeah, no, Coast. That's a good point. The younger teams, yeah. I know, but Carlton in particular, the way they played their last half of last season... They showed yeah. in the first half of every quarter they were just blasting teams. Yeah, some of their transition work was just exceptional yeah. under Teague. And they can score. They can score real heavy, real fast. St Kilda is another one that could benefit as well. They've got a lot of pace in that team now. Not with Zach Jones kicking in from halfback. Well, his kickings were better than uh, Jake Lloyd. Uh, that is true. That is true. I mean, uh, <laughs> Jones, Zach Attack did cop a bit of a um, Zach Attack did cop a bit of a flogging from us last year for some of his foot skills. But Lloyd, he had a shocker as well. So, oh, look. Jones is one of our best players last year. I reckon. I don't think the uh, the MVP votes got it quite right from the Swans, to be honest. No, no, I don't think so either. Look, uh, let's take a uh, quick break, and we'll come back and we'll uh, review the game. Welcome to Intermission. We understand the AFL's position on 17 games for the 2020 AFL season. However, given the AFL has announced the 2020 season now has a 40-week window, players urge the AFL to be open to the possibility of a 22-round home and away season should it be feasible. I think that the AFL players have pulled the wrong court today. I think they're going to get little or no sympathy from the 
greater public, some of whom are losing their jobs, losing their livelihoods, some are going to lose their houses. This decision by the Players Association today, make no mistake, is all about money. All right, we're back. Now let's do a preview of the Adelaide match. So, both teams did not have a great preseason. Both teams lost both matches. Sydney was certainly more impressive in the second match against North Melbourne down in, uh, I think it was in Hobart, if I remember correctly. Uh, it's been a while since that game has been played and an awful lot has happened. But Adelaide, they did opt to go the more traditional route, which was to play more younger players, which the Swans have done in years past. However, again, they didn't score. Their ability to score looked pretty bad, and their just midfield got well beaten. So it's just going to be a pretty uh, pretty interesting match, guys, with Adelaide losing their best ruck, and they've lost a, a fair few good players over the last couple of years, and they're looking to hit that reset button pretty hard. They've still got a decent midfield, though. Decent midfield, and they've got plenty of mids who can kick goals. So I don't think they're, down, I don't think they're dead, and, dead and buried yet. Uh, I still think they could be dangerous. Um, I think they're sort of a, a middle and above middle order team, uh, but I think they're still much better built than we are. And Stephen, do you think uh, Adelaide are going to be able to cope without Josh Jenkins? <laughs> the, <laughs> the kind of his Josh Jenkins is the guy who is is taking more Joe the Goose specials for goals than I've ever seen in my life. And for those who don't know, the Joe the Goose. <laughs> is when someone, you know, he'll stand completely empty in the square. Someone else will draw the main defender. He'll stand in the square, take the easy hand pass and just kick through the easy goal. He's just the king at those. Um, but, yeah, they've also lost uh, a pretty handy small forward by the name of Eddie Betts. Uh, so they're kind of going through quite a bit of transition Don't forget uh, the sauce as well. The sauce. Yeah, sauce. Although I reckon Riley O'Brien really made his mark last year and I think he's one of the better young rucks going around at the moment so I'm not too worried for them on that front yeah as I agree that their midfield is probably their strongest area I mean you've got the Crouch brothers and Sloan and then you've got guys like Brody Smith and Paul Seedsman on the outside so they've got quite a good mix there and that'll be our struggle to kind of match up with those guys there do you think they'll benefit with the fact that the uh, captaincy has changed yeah I mean because who's got it now it's Sloan isn't it yeah, so Tex Walker had it last year and he uh, handed it over yeah. after that debacle. Yeah, I mean, given what's happened to Adelaide the past few years, I think a change was bound, was, you know, bound to happen. Although Tex, there's like a Best Captain Award which is voted by other AFL players uh, and Tex has won that actually multiple times, but that was a few years ago. So I think Sloan's kind of more of a, he's definitely got those leadership traits and I think they'll be fine on that front. He got it the year that uh, Josh Kennedy took us from a 0-6 start into finals as in his first year as captain, and I have no idea how, no idea how Josh Kennedy's effort that year didn't get rated higher than Mr. Potato Head from Adelaide. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's a popularity contest, you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, having said that, now not having the weight of leadership on his shoulders, a focused Tex Walker could be a very dangerous Tex Walker in their forward line. Going by the fact he hasn't Joe Danaher himself by now. That's true. So, look, it's, it's an interesting match. Uh, we've got a lot of youth across the ground, a lot of youth, and they're in some key positions as well. But we do have uh, some, some pretty good experienced guys in key positions too. We won't be without Franklin, but we do have Rampy in defense. We uh, do have Papley in the forward line, and we do have a very experienced midfield, albeit 
pretty one paced and pretty slow. So it's going to be interesting um, if we can keep the ball inside. If we can keep the ball inside, we stand a chance. If it goes outside, I think Adelaide is just going to get us on the outside. And I think they're going to get us too easily on the rebound, Stephen. Yeah, I agree. I think that kind of getting hands first on the ball in the contest, well, and you know, with Naismith being back most likely for round one, it'll be interesting to see how he is after two years out of the game. It's, he'll be like a completely different player. I don't think it's good to you know, kind of think of him two years back and see and kind of judge him on that. I think we have to kind of give him a clean slate on that and uh, it'll be a pretty good test coming up against O'Brien. But if he can get us first use of the ball, get those clearances and get it away from their midfielders, basically, that'll, you know, put us in good stead, I think. I think the other thing to note out of that was um, how Cal Sinclair was doing against Todd Goldstein in that uh, second JLT Marsh game. And when you put him up against how Naismith was competing against Goldstein, there was a stark difference in not just their numbers, but how they competed in the ruck. And Cal Sinclair, he's he's a good, decent sort of forward ruck, and he can ruck pretty well against less experience and uh, less bigger guys, smaller guys. Uh, but like the way that Goldstein just dominated him and threw him around like it was nothing was incredible to watch. And then you got Naismith who actually beat Goldstein when they went head to head. So it's it's going to be good to have a proper ruck back in the side, although one who's only played what thirty four games over seven seasons. So this was during the, I think it was the third quarter, and there were eleven ruck contests between Goldstein and Sinclair, and Goldie won all eleven hitouts. Yeah, Sinclair was just monstered. It was funny because the commentary team raised that. And then the next contest, Sinclair won. But Goldstein just kept beating him around the ground. Mm. He is very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But like when you look <laughs> at how Naismith played against him, Naismith actually beat him. Mm. That was that was the weird thing was, although Naismith... Yeah, it was is definitely like, a closer battle. Oh, yeah. He's more of a lumbering kind. He doesn't really get off the ground well, but he's physically big and imposing. So he's not that easy to push off. The only thing that concerns me about Naismith being back in is that while he looks really underdone from the two Marsh games he played, when he is in form, he gives us absolutely nothing around the ground. Yeah, and, and that is that is a potential issue for us because we do need a, an out kick for us. It's certainly a um, target down the field. But look, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how we're going to deal. Uh, we do have some decent talent on the outside. It'll be uh, interesting to see if we start Will Gould and um, can't quite remember his first name, Stevens, both picked up from Adelaide. Dylan both. Stevens, yeah. Dylan Stevens, yeah, that's right. They both played in the uh, Sandville last season, so they do have senior experience and there's nothing stopping them from being picked. That's just of the two guys, I would expect to see Will Gould debut over Dylan Stevens, just how they played, where they're at. Yeah, agreed. Dylan Stevens probably needs a little bit more development, but I can see him being uh, anything from a you know gaff to a Whitfield sort of type. Just can run all day, can play well on the outside, great distribution. Um, I think that's something we'll need in our you know midfield mix going into the future. I mean, I'd love it now, but uh, we might just have to wait a bit before he gets to that stage, I think. But Will Gould's just, as I said, it's built like a brick crap house and uh, is kind of more ready to play at senior footy. Okay, well, let's move on to matchups, key points, and predictions. Uh, we've all got a uh, matchup, a key point, and a prediction each. I'm going to kick the uh, matchups off, and my matchup is Caden Brand on Tack. My matchup is Caden Brand on Tex Walker. Now, Miss Potato Head. Now, Rampy usually picks him up, but the thing is, every time Walker goes on Rampy, Walker takes him up the ground, comes back, and gives him a little bit of a lesson. So, 
We really need Rampy in defense. We need him in that back 50. We need him marshalling, marshalling and leading. He is a captain of the club, and that's where he needs to be. At home, stay home. Let Caden Brand take him up the field. He is good enough on the lead. He's quick enough. He's capable enough. Let Rampy just lead from the back. We don't want him on the wing, and we sure as hell don't want him on the half-forward flank. I've gone a little bit left field, not quite left as far left field as your statements earlier, um, but I've actually got Tom Papley picking up the seed, uh, Paul Seedsman, uh, purely because I don't think there's anyone in our team with the sustained sort of speed of Paul Seedsman other than Tommy Papley. So I, I think he needs to pick up seed and drag him back towards the circle to snare a few goals and sort of play that, that half-forward sort of hybrid mid-role, uh, but he still needs a kick three. So, for one of a better idea, I've got Tom Papley on Paul Seisman. Well, you're asking a lot of Papley as well, just, you know, wanting to play on a wing and up forward as well. If we could clone him, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Oh, um, mate, he, he's, he's the complete package. He's just going to do it all this weekend. Yeah. And you know what? He's only got four 16.5-minute quarters to get it done in as well. Fair point, fair point. It's too bad we got uh, rid I'm... of the other guy who could actually take him, Jones. Yeah, yeah actually, that's true. Right. This would have been a good matchup for Jones. <laughs> My matchup for this one, um, thinking a little bit outside of the box, I've gone with uh, Matty Nix, new Adelaide coach against Horse Longmire up in the coach's box. Matty Nix was a former Swans player, uh, retired in about 2005, I think it was. Um, wasn't part of the 2005 team, but I had to retire early, which was a shame for him, but a great servant of the club back then and now trying his hand at coaching. I think with you know Adelaide... Uh, rejuvenating their squad, especially in their forward line. New coach, I think it'll make them pretty hard to predict. They'll be, you know, establishing their plans and Horse will have his plan A and plan A and his plan A and not maybe he'll go to a plan B. But it'll be interesting to see how the players, you know, structure themselves and all that sort of thing. That's uh, an interesting one. It is. It's a uh, new team, new coach, potentially new style against the old horse, the old firm. So... It'll be interesting to see just how they cope. Uh, key points, guys. Uh, mine is our first five minutes are always good. The next 75, or at least the next uh, 11 and a half, guys. What do you think? Oh, who knows, mate. Uh, my key point is uh, speed will kill in this, and I think that they have to start fast and they have to start hard. Any team that backs off for five minutes, just as a proportion of the actual whole game time that's going to get played, it's going to have a bigger impact than what it would um, in... In a you know a regular a regular match with regular length quarters, so um, I would like to see sixteen half minutes of frantic effort for four quarters, um, and I think the teams that are going to be at the top of the ladder this year are going to play like that. It'll be hard from the blocks, and they'll push it as far as they can for the whole match. Yeah, I think if we shut down Brody Smith, if we shut down Paul Seedsman, or if we at least win those two main contests, they're the I think those two will be the main movers from midfield with maybe Wayne Miller, but I think he'll stay back. But I think if we really, you know, teach those two guys a real lesson, uh, I think they'll, you know, go a long way to winning the midfield battle uh, and getting, and you know, stopping their, their forwards from having that sort of good delivery coming in. Oh, that's a great point. When Adelaide beat us a couple of years at the SEG, there was actually Paul Seedsman who ripped us apart when we looked like we might have been able to win that match. But uh, time for predictions for the weekend, guys. Uh, mine is James Rowbottom will pick up at least 25 disposals and 12 of those will be contested. Yep. It's a big game. Big game for Paddlebum. My prediction? Uh, look, I mean, 
the Mountain Kid, uh, Will Gould. If there's any any uh, first year player we have that, who will debut in round one, it's going to be this kid. So my tip is Will Gould is going to debut. Yep, my tip is Dylan Stevens will debut. Nah, joking. Um, I reckon <laughs> Sam Reid. Sam Reid to debut. Uh, no, <laughs> oh, going back that long. Um, I reckon Sam Reid will have five marks at least, uh, three contested, and will kick three goals. Oh, nice. That'll be a good return. Is it mm. sad that I think that if they cancel the AFL season, it's you know there's great potential that Reedy still might not be fit for 2021? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Frankly, well at least it's fitter than too. Buddy at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Buddy will be in his second last year and he still won't be fit enough. Uh, okay, guys. Weekend forecast. Time to wrap it up. Uh, sure thing. I'll kick it off and then off to you, Josh. Uh, my sure thing is... 20-minute quarters will suit us because we just can't last past 20 minutes, even with time on. My sure thing is that the Crouch brothers and Rory Sloan are going to have more contested possessions than everyone who rotates through our midfield. Out. Okay, my sure thing is that uh, Callum Mills won't be played as a midfielder. Oh, I well. think he'll still play down back. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> Much to <obvious>. my chagrin. <laughs> Much to my chagrin. I want him to play mid. No, we never know. Will Gould might play. Might play in defence and might take his role. But uh, look, most at stake, guys. Uh, mine is Swan's fan psyche. If we get blasted off the park, it'll just collapse. Yep. Probably. Almost certainly. Gil McLaughlin. Um, and this isn't just for this week. It's for the whole season. If it turns out that having uh, limited games and playing time, uh, even though... Virtually every other major organised competition on the planet has actually suspended their entire seasons. I think it could be the end of his uh, time at the top. Uh, he won't be playing this week, but I think Lewis Malikin has quite a bit at stake, especially if Caden uh, Brand plays and does well. I think he'll just slide right down the pecking order and it'll be one of those kind of, you know, uh, stalwarts at Niafel level. Although yeah, that's not being played this year either, is it? No, <laughs> no, it's not. So he could be a stalwart no at the club. The water boy. <laughs> the water boy, yes. And uh, not the um, Adam Sandler one either. You could also add Will no. Gould to that list. So it's it's an interesting one. It's a, um, it's a really difficult year for him, I think. Uh, doomsday scenario. Um, yes, for me, it's a swan's kick less than eight goals. That is a distinct possibility, unfortunately. Because this would be absolutely catastrophic. And that is that the NBN... The National Broadband Network proves to be the absolute lemon that we all think it is. And the network gets flooded and nobody can connect to KO to watch the football this weekend. <laughs> oh, good God. And, <laughs> and there are clubs working with KO to try and get a $2.50 subscription fee per month to watch your AFL. Yep. Pressure's on, eh? It is. Oh, I cringe saying this, but... Uh... Josh Kennedy used to do a shoulder in the first five minutes and be out for the season. Oh, I hate you. I hate you. We don't do interesting Yeah, I know. Stage. I know. <laughs> it's, it's like saying good luck to a bunch of performers as they go on stage. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, can this one do it on the weekend? I actually think we can. I actually think we can. And, 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 and for two reasons. Um, one, there's no crowd. And that's a huge balancing thing in our favor. We don't have to try and shut the crowd up and uh, they don't have the crowd to egg them on. And the second thing is that it's round one, and weird things happen in round one. Yeah, very true. Mm, very, uh, yeah. I think with um, 
a very new look forward line for Adelaide. I think they might have some struggles as well, especially if Rampy and Aaliyah and Co really uh, gel together well. Uh, I reckon we might be able to you know strangle them a bit on that end. Well, it could very well be the battle of whoever kicks nine goals first. <laughs> <laughs> both both forward lines are quite uh, quite inexperienced, so it's going to be an interesting one. Yes, we can, but at the same time, we could also get blasted. So it's it's an interesting one. Look, guys, I just want to thank you for coming on for the very first Swanscast Extra of the year. Josh, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on, and go Swans. Go Swans. Go Swans.